What's that you say? I'm getting old. Well, it should be David just made the font seven hundred times bigger. N- lies. It's not seven hundred, it was a mere twenty-five percent. I'm Dustin Harder, and this is Keep On Cooking. Hello, and welcome to Keep On Cooking, the podcast dedicated to plant based cookbooks and learning more about the authors who wrote those cookbooks. I'm your host, Dustin Harder. Thank you for tuning in today. And y'all, I need an inhaler because this man takes my breath away. It's my husband and producer of the podcast, David Rossetti. How are you, do you? I am good. I'm good. I take your breath away <gasps> so much you have an asthma. <laughs> I'm not making fun of anybody with asthma. David takes my breath away. What can I say? What can he say? Um, Oh, my goodness. How are you? Oh, it was Christmas. It was Christmas. Ding, ding, ding. It's Christmas. For those who celebrate. Uh, We had a lovely Christmas here on the farm. And uh, oh, my gosh. That reminds me. We didn't watch Garfield's Christmas. (gasps) We didn't. When grandma says, oh, Garfield, how did you know I needed a kitty on my lap? Just the best. Maybe we'll watch it tonight. I think maybe we Because can. here's the deal, uh, everyone listening. At the end of Christmas was great. David and I had a couple really great days in our new home. Lots of food. Lots of fun TV stuff. I watched a lot of old Christmas specials from the 80s as I was actually making sure cookies did. and stuff the week before. But at the end of Christmas Day, David was like, are you okay? And I was like, no. <laughs> and I was he's like, what's your deal? And I was like, Christmas is over. I was legit so sad. Very sad. And so I was like, I mean, it's over when we say it's over, ultimately. That's right! So So it's Christmas every day! At least until January 1st. Well, I mean, and not to be all cheesy about it, but we did have a conversation of like, I was like, well, I just feel like the world like was in a better mood the last few days because sure. everyone's been like waiting for this and he was like well then like let's have christmas every day so let's do it we're gonna make it all cheesy and like a movie but that's the goal 2021 goals yeah keep the spirit of christmas with you every day in your heart every day Speaking of uh, heart and uh, charming things, uh, our, our guest Nava Atlas today is a charmer, ladies she and is, gentlemen, she and is everybody. A doll. Uh, she was so sweet when we got on the call. She wanted to meet on. The, I, I don't typically do video on these uh, Zoom situations when we record because you know I want people to like not feel like they need to get gussied up or anything and just be able to chill and relax. But she was sure. like, "No, no, can we turn video on? I want to meet you face to face really quick." And that made me so, it just that was super cute. my heart, y'all. Um, I thought it was very sweet. And so I got to meet her. And you'll see in this, she is just a charmer. She's an artist, author. Uh, she does cookbooks and nonfiction books. Uh, just all around creative. So smart. Awesome person. Yes. So smart. Um, she's been making veganism easier for the world. And just really, really fun to talk to and a very warm person and welcoming. Uh, Nava Atlas is the author of many vegetarian and vegan cookbooks, most recently Plant-Powered Protein and Vegan on a Budget, which we're going to talk about vegan on a budget today, a topic mm-hmm. everybody loves. Uh, some previous titles of hers include Five Ingredient Vegan, Wild About Greens, Vegan Holiday Kitchens, Vegan Soups and Hearty Stew 
shoes for all seasons and many, many others. She has an expansive website showcasing her culinary endeavors at theveganatlas.com. Yeah, and in addition to cookbooks, Nava produces uh, visual nonfiction books, including The Literary Lady's Guide to the Writing Life. Everything okay? Yeah. Okay. I had something in my teeth. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Sorry, That's what I you're talking like, about, right? Were you separate? I made a face. Yes, you yeah. did. I had something in my teeth. Oops. It even happens here. <laughs> um, uh, and so the uh, Literary Ladies Guide to the Writing Life, it's yes. a companion website. Uh, it's literaryladiesguide.com. Dot com. And explores the lives and literature of classic women authors. So cool. She loves her books. She does, she's and I love such it. A it's so inspiring. She so is. She's got, she's like reads three books at a time. Well, and she talks, we talk about books, especially towards the end of the interview. It's fun. We dive into some books that are on her nightstand. So you get she's some so recommendations cute. from her for um, sure. And uh, Nava is also an active fine artist specializing in limited edition artist books and text-driven objects. Her work is shown and collected by museums and universities across the U.S. You can see her work at NavaAtlasArt.com. Dot com. Yes, and as we've mentioned, many, 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 many cookbooks. I'm sure you have one of them on your shelf right now. And if not, hopefully you'll go ahead and order uh, Vegan on a Budget after you hear this interview. Uh, she is a warm and charming person, and she's smart and accomplished. Please enjoy this chat with Nava Atlas. Welcome to Keep On Cooking, the author of many, many books and also the creator of TheVeganAtlas.com and LiteraryLadiesGuide.com. Nava Atlas, how you doing, dear? I'm good. How about you? We're hanging in one day at a time. I'm so happy to uh, finally meet you and get to chat with you. Um, you've done so many wonderful books, so I really, really appreciate you being on today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, of course. Let's get right into an icebreaker question. I want to know, what is an item on your bucket list? Well, you know, I was thinking about this. That's a really good question. And I would say, and it's really a cliche, but, you know, we, we always put off things that we want to do because we think that there will be one day. And if there's been any lesson from this whole apocalyptic time with the yes. virus is that we should not put off the things we want to do. So I'd say for me, it is something as pedestrian as I really need to travel more. Hey, places that I have not been wonderful places like Spain and Italy. Um, and I was thinking, why haven't I traveled more? And part of it is because I was one of those people stuck in the sandwich generation, which means that I had young children at the same time I was caring for an aging parent. And so I had to put a lot of dreams on hold. Sure, sure. Well, so is what's your place then? Is it, did you say Spain and Italy? Like, what's the like? What are your top three places then on your bucket list that you would oh, go to? Top three, um, yeah, I would say Spain and Italy, and I would have to give a lot of thought to the third one. But why stop at three? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Please. <laughs> I'm already there. The, I'm going to ma manifest them all for you. I want you to go. I was going to say, if I'm already in Europe, I might as well just keep going. That's no, exactly actually, no, right. no, actually, you know what? I'd like to backtrack on that. I desperately <laughs> want to go to Cuba. Oh, perfect. Good, yeah. good. These, these, these things will happen. Once we get through this, it's going to be Nava's Atlas. She's going to be traveling. It's going to be more content on your website. We're going to see it. It's going to be great. Absolutely. Um, 
My bucket list, I would skydive. It's been on there for a while. I've gotten close a couple, not really super close. It's not like I was in the plane and almost jumped out, but it's been, I've researched the prices. I've almost put it on this calendar. So like one day skydive, not one day. I'm going to skydive. I was going to say that that gives (laughs) me a feeling of anxiety. There's actually a skydiving (laughs) place, maybe five miles from where I live. Oh, great. You want to do it together? I'll come visit. No, 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 no. I'm a professional (laughs) nerd. I'm one of these people who prefer staying inside. That's great though. At least you're owning it. So it's, it's fine. You know, then, uh, so as we mentioned, you've got several, many, many cookbooks under your belt. Um, and, uh, I think, is it 12 in total? Am I wrong? Is that the right number? Uh, you know, I was going to say it's always very hard to count because I don't know if I should count revised editions. And so I, I think that this book that we're going to be talking about today might be my 13th-ish. Wow. But I think that doesn't even include revised editions. Sure. Plus I've written three books or four books, who's counting, that are other <laughs> forms of nonfiction. <laughs> That's outstanding. I, I I love it so much. It's I really honored to have you on. So many well, books and you. just you. It sounds like you're just you keep going with it too. So you're just uh, one after the other there. Uh, and uh, I'm thinking of what I'm curious of. If you can take us back, where did you grow up, and when did cooking become part of your world? Okay, so I grew up outside of Detroit. Uh, wait, wait, of- wait. So we have a parallel there. I'm actually from Michigan. I'm about an hour and a half north of Detroit and Saginaw. Really? Yeah. Oh Saginaw? Saginaw, Michigan. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So I grew up really right outside the line of Detroit. Okay. So in an immigrant family. And uh, in, so I don't know, there was something innate in me. I never liked meat, even as a child. I was not an uh, an automatic foodie. In fact, I was just the opposite. All I remember from my childhood and food is crying because I didn't want to eat what my mom made. It <laughs> <laughs> was the typical kind of overcooked, bland Jewish food. So but at age 14, I remember asking my mom if I could cook sometimes so I could disguise it. <laughs> <laughs> and disguise the meat. And then a couple years later, I thought, wait a minute, I don't want to eat the meat. So I told my mom that I'm going to become a vegetarian. That did not go over very well. And yeah. this was a while ago. I mean, this was at a time where it was still pretty rare. So my mom, her famous words were, well, I'm not going to cook two separate meals. <clears throat> and I said, fine, I'll cook for myself. Yes. And that's when I discovered I really did enjoy cooking so much. And we're talking a pretty long time ago. We didn't have Trader Joe's or Whole Foods right, or right. supermarkets. So I had to get in my car. You know, we were in Michigan, as you know, if you don't learn how to drive when you're 16, you're doomed. It's done. Then you yeah. can't go anywhere. Uh-huh. So I'd go to these dusty little health food stores and get, bin, you know, bulk items. and <laughs> um, But I, you know, I just loved it. And then my family grew to accept it and they wanted to have what I was having. And I have two older brothers and everybody wanted to taste what I was making. And even my parents really came around after a while. So that's and how I got started. By are having any of food. your family members or any of them vegan or vegetarian now? Yes. As a matter of fact, wow. my brothers, my two brothers who are really many years older than myself, one is 10 years older, one is 15 years older. Uh, the one who's 10 years older went vegan before I did. Okay. And then my older, older brother, once in a while, he'll eat fish, but he's mainly a vegetarian. Okay. So you inspired the fam. I love that. 
And now with so many cookbooks under your belt, when you think of them right now, is there one that sort of sticks out to you as, I mean, I'm not going to ask you to like sort of pick a favorite, but if, is there one that was maybe most fun writing or that uh, a special one when you think of your, your lineup of cookbooks that you want to tell our listeners about? Yes, there is. Yeah, I could just give you one word answer. Yes. There, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll elaborate. My very first book, Vegetariana, Because it was a combination of all of my interests. I illustrated it. I I designed it. And I researched literary quotations and folklore about food. And the good news is that I'm revising it now. This will be like, I think, the third revision and maybe the first really major revision. First of all, I'm veganizing it. Great. Oh, that's so great. I, you know, I can't in good conscience promote dairy or eggs sure. at this point. And also I'm radicalizing it. I'm actually sitting in front of my drawings now, some of the new ones I did. I realized that I had very little in there from female authors. Um, there's a drawing I did of Che Guevara, uh, Karl Marx. <laughs> Neither of them were vegetarians or vegans, but they said some really great things. A lot of the illustrations are based on literary quotations. But then I found out that some other people who I admire greatly were vegetarians and vegans. For example, Coretta Scott King was a a vegan for the last 10 years of her life. Rosa Parks was a vegetarian for 40 years. Amazing. Um, Nikola Tesla was a vegetarian. Um, uh, Mary Shelley and her uh, kind of a jerk of a poet husband, Percy Shelley. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's really it's it's just wonderful to revisit this book and it's very very t- time consuming so it's a good it's kind of a good covid project although good i project really would right rather now. it not be covid but of you know course. if we're going to be mainly stuck at home this was really i never found the time to really go back and redo this book so now i have a little bit more time cuz i can't really go anywhere well, congratulations on that, though. Just being able to revisit something that was already special to you to begin with, and then now take it and really put it in um, where you're bring it bring it up to speed as to where you're at right now, and then get to share that with all of us. That's a that's oh, a gift absolutely. to all of us. But how how nice you get to do that. And when we also look at your books, you've got two books that I can see based on the five ingredients. Is that correct? Two that you do sort of five ingredients that's, in? Yes, that's true. Um, the I I did the five ingredient the vegetarian five ingredient gourmet and i always say the word gourmet here is used very very loosely (laughs) (laughs) and i can't believe it is almost 20 years old it was published in 2001 it you know had not a single picture in it an ugly cover and yet it did very very well because i think there is an audience of people who you know they come from home from work and they need to do something really simple. Absolutely. So a couple years ago, I decided to not redo it. The Five Ingredient Vegan is a totally different book. It's definitely not a revised edition, but it is also bringing it up to speed with you know, beautiful pictures and ingredients that we didn't even have 20 years ago. Right. So it's great to be able to kind of revisit concepts. Well, it's so cool to get to revisit it. And speaking of things that are available now, now you kind of get to take a a broader look at what's available for, you know, vegans or in the plant-based world and incorporate that into already a a great body of work. So what a cool thing to do. Um, And when I think about your, the five ingredient challenge, those 
stuck out to me because on my series, The Vegan Roadie, we ended each episode with a five ingredient challenge. And this always just speaks to me so much because it's exactly what you say. Like it's, it's, it enables people to easily be able to cook and it, it, it helps them sort of maybe if they're not vegan, they also are able to embrace veganism because they might be scared previously because they have this notion of it having so many ingredients. And when they see five ingredients, they're like, oh, I can do this. This is approachable. This is manageable. So I, I love that you've got two different books out on that topic. That's great. Uh, when we look at your cooking and you think about when you started and vegan food, let's say, what was the first vegan cookbook you owned from someone else? Another author's book that you owned, your first vegan cookbook that my you cooked from. My first vegan owned. cookbook. Oh my gosh, that's going to be a toughie. So I'm going to talk through this and think at the same time. <laughs> the other day, I actually ran, I, I just came across my first cookbook when I became a vegetarian at age 16. It was called The Whole Earth Cookbook. Wow. And my cousin got it for me. It was one of these, it was a real hippie kind of cookbook. And yep. I already started making notes in it and writing my own recipes in the back. I so love I it. Like, yeah. So my first vegan book by someone else, I'm going to be really honest and say, I don't remember. That's all right. You told us your first uh, vegetarian one. So, I mean, you, you had a, a memory of that, sort of what your first vegetable cooking experience book was. So I, I love that. I think that's great. It was the whole, what was it again? The, the whole earth cookbook. The whole earth cookbook. It, it looks just like it sounds. Like yep, I said, it's yep. spiral, really kind of a very hippy dippy kind of cookbook. I, you know, yeah. you're not the first guest to uh, mention one of those books as their first. And it kind of just warms my heart when I hear it, because without those books, where would we be? You know, exactly. Well, let's dive right into your current release, Vegan on a Budget, 125 Healthy, Wallet-Friendly, Plant-Based Recipes. It's available right now everywhere books are sold. You know, this is a great topic because it's that common phrase or excuse so many people have when it comes to committing to a vegan diet. They always say, oh, I would, but it's, it's so expensive. My sister is like, she will, she will say that. It's too expensive. She also doesn't like to chop vegetables, so we've got that going on there too. But did you have trouble breaking that myth uh, in terms of of creating a budget-friendly book, or was it pretty easy uh, to give a how-to on cooking on a budget? I thought it was pretty easy, actually. Yeah. And I think also, I, you know, when you say myth-busting, this is exactly, I've heard this so many times. I think that's probably, as you as you said, the second question that I hear, oh, I'd like to do this, but it just seems so complicated. Sure. And of course, the first question is always, as we know, where do you get your protein? protein. Yep. Uh-huh. Always. You know, we can even talk about that. I know vegans are sometimes very annoyed by that question. And <laughs> I do speak quite a bit, um, not not recently, obviously, and not sure. now, but the libraries and, you know, doing food demos. And people ask, and I feel like, you know what, I'm not going to be annoyed by this question. I am going to use it as an opportunity to inform people. Absolutely. And they're, you know, they're not asking me as, they're not provoking me. They're not asking right. it as a, as a provocation, but they're genuinely interested. So why not have that same in attitude and just tell them how we get our protein? And there's always, you know, it's, it's not that surprising. Most people say, oh yeah, I already eat those foods. It's not anything indifferent or exotic. Yeah, absolutely. And then what a great perspective to have on it. I think as vegan, either, you know, speakers or cooking instructors or cookbook authors, I think at least for me, I know, I think I, I'm 11 years in it. And I often forget 
where I was 11 years ago and how brand new everything felt to me. So it's easy sometimes when you are answering questions all the time to sort of be like, oh, is this person serious? But to take that step back and be like, oh, no, they want to have a conversation about it. They're not trying to provoke a reaction out of me. You know, they might actually genuinely be curious about, you know, where are you getting the protein? How do you keep it inexpensive? You know, they want to know. I think that's a great thing. In this book, uh, you give us everything we want. You you cover us with breakfast, lunch, dinner, and sweets. It's fall right now, and as we're chatting, and the first chapter starts with soups and stews. Uh, the cool thing is, right now when I'm doing this podcast, I'm I'm doing my best to cook from uh, every book. It doesn't always happen, but yours made it so easy because not only are the recipes budget friendly, they're easy. Nava, this weekend I made the French style onion soup and I made the ramen noodle vegetable soup and I made the French, uh, what was it, the French toast casserole? I made three things from your book and they were so easy. It was just a breeze. And that's something in a book that's always so exciting to me because then I just feel like I accomplished something and it was so easy. Uh, what are a couple of your favorite soups or stews from here? Oh, wow. You know, you mentioned the onion soup and I have not made it yet this season. That's it's always, so you know, I just, I just got a, a bag of a five pound bag of onions. So that might be next. Ah, there you go. Oh, let's see, which are my favorite? You know, now that it's fall, I, I do like soups that involve sweet potatoes or butternut squash. So the sweet potato and black bean soup. And I just love the way I'm also a visual artist as you know, you might know from part sure. of my resume. So I really feel like it's important to create food that also looks good. Um, I've made the carrot ginger soup a number of times, and I really like that. And so, you know, when you said things are easy, I, I've rarely met a shortcut I don't like. And I think that's important. And I think it's also kind of eliminates the snobbery from it. So sure. for example, from the carrot ginger soup, I call for two pounds of carrots. And you talk about your sister not wanting to chop things. Well, here's an example where you don't have to. It really is not fun to peel and chop right. two pounds of carrots. So instead, you just throw in two pounds of baby carrots. Oh, uh, it tastes, look at that. It tastes just as good. And when you blend it up, it's just this amazing, beautiful, golden, orangey color. And it's just so appealing. Just that, just a little, a little recipe hack right there for our listeners, and that makes oh, so hacks. much sense. That's fantastic. I love hacks. Yeah, oh, so well, good. Yeah, when we talk about five ingredient, you know, obviously there has to be shortcuts and hacks, and there's nothing wrong with it because a, it helps people to eat better, and b, it spares a lot of animals' lives, and then very important these days. Uh, not having animal, uh, reducing animal agriculture. That's something that we can all do to mitigate climate change. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I am on that page with you. Anything, any shortcut you can take to make everything easier and better for yourself and then also be bettering the world. Why shouldn't we be taking that shortcut? Uh, and in the next chapter, we've got skillets and stir fries we're going to move into with coconut yellow rice and black beans, barbecue tofu and chickpea bowl, gingery red beans and broccoli with bulgur quinoa. All of these recipes have minimal ingredients and are one page, easy to follow procedures. You know, I'm Midwesterner like you from Michigan, and I, I love seeing a, a chapter for cozy casseroles as well and other baked dishes with a vegetable and chickpea pot pie. I know I'll be satisfied. What are a couple of your favorite bakes or casseroles? We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, Bar and Girl fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-hosts sit around and talk about the 
things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! Well, the bake casseroles. I'm I'm madly going to that chapter now. And like, ah. ah. um, let's see. Wow, I, you know, when I think about the holidays coming up, and we're all going to have abbreviated Thanksgivings. I like the uh, p- vegetable and chickpea pot pie quite mm-hmm. a bit, and then the enchilada casserole. It's just a very lazy way to get the southwestern flavors because you're basically just layering everything into a casserole there's no rolling there's right no, you know t- tacos as i say, i love the flavors but i felt i find the tacos are sort of a bother you know setting up each little taco and then sure. holding it over and then everything ends up falling out yeah so i'd love to take those same ingredients and flavors and just put them in casseroles that's great beans and beefy crumbles and tortillas and vegan cheese and just you know everybody loves it that is true everybody does including myself all of those things sound delicious i love a casserole too because i kind of make it and you know you have a couple servings for dinner or uh depending on how if you have a whole family you're gonna feed the whole family right there if it's just a couple of you or one you're gonna have a serving for dinner and then you put it back in the fridge and you've got lunch the next day if you want you got dinner the next day it's one of the things i really really like about casseroles when we look at the skillet and stir fry chapter before that do you have a couple uh i mentioned the coconut yellow rice and black beans barbecue tofu and chickpea bowl and the gingery red beans and broccoli with bulgur or quinoa anything else you want to add to that from skillets and stir fries that comes to mind that you love yes um the indian spice cauliflower and chickpeas Mm. kind of grew out of uh, a takeout ad- adventure. Okay. So, uh, our well, tell us about that. Are, well, our millennials are back at home, and we hadn't had Indian food for a while. And we have a place here where we live, and it's it's really very good. So, I ordered four dishes for us, the four people, plus maybe a bread and maybe samosas. And it was like seventy or seventy five dollars, and I thought, whoa! Oof. And it was really not a lot of food. Yeah. You know, the, Portions are rather small. So one of the things that I discovered that I do really love, one of the hacks or shortcuts, as we can <laughs> call it, is the Indian simmer sauces that are now mm. available really pretty much everywhere. Uh, supermarkets, the natural food store. So they come in, I would say, usually like 12-ounce jars. And there are many vegan varieties. There are a few that have dairy. So obviously, you know, I, I gravitate to the ones that don't have dairy. And I tell you, whatever you put it on really tastes like it comes from the best Indian restaurant. And it's so true what you say about it being expensive too. David and I used to get Indian now that I think about it when we lived in New York and every time we got it, we were like, we just spent so much money. Oh, yes. Yes. And it's not, it does sort of doesn't go a long way. So then, you know, when I made, when I first made this dish, I I costed it out and it seemed like even with, I got frozen samosas. So even with that extra treat, it was maybe four, maybe $5 per person, but not, you know, 70 or $75. Sure. That's so much more realistic. Right. And plus there were leftovers because when you make a dish like this, this one makes six to eight servings and it really does. Plus the other thing that I think your sister will really like is that I give the option of using frozen 
cauliflower. Oh, great. And much as I like cauliflower, sometimes if it's 6 or 6.30, I don't feel like chopping uh-huh. little things are all over the kitchen. Yep. You know, admittedly, fresh cauliflower is better, but sometimes if I just really don't feel like it, there's really nothing wrong with using it frozen. No, absolutely not. Again, it's that idea of sort of like whatever you got to do to get the job done. And if if you're having a lazy day, or if you're someone who's new to cooking, and you really just don't want to chop, by all means, like grab that next best option, that's going to be a lot better than getting some other sort of form of like majorly over processed food or, you know, ordering a pizza or whatever that is. Not that those things are are wrong if you want to do that. But it, it is great to have this sort of like shortcut and 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 owning it and being okay with it. Getting frozen vegetables, I think, is always a great option as opposed to chopping if you just don't feel like it, you know, and some people just don't have the knife skills and they don't want to get into it either. And that's okay, too. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, the thing about frozen vegetables, and that's something I discussed at the beginning of the book, is that, you know, they're froze, they're flash frozen. Exactly. Right when they're picked. Usually those big bags, like a pound of uh, cauliflower florets will really cost less than the equivalent of fresh cauliflower. Right. Again, I prefer fresh cauliflower. Sure. But once in a while, if I'm making pizza and I need a lot of florets, I will use the frozen. Yeah. It's nice to have the options. It's nice to have the option for sure. We're giving you permission, everyone, everyone listening. We're giving you permission to take it easy on yourselves every now and then. It's all right. Especially Uh, these days, right? Especially these days. You know, do what makes you feel good. And for some people, that might be chopping a lot of vegetables. So by all means, live that life too. Uh, We get to the possibilities of it all with the noodling around in the kitchen chapter. What are some pasta dishes you would tell someone to make or a a dish you'd tell someone to make for who just purchased this book, a pasta that you're like, oh, do that one right away? Oh, my gosh. I think the first thing I gravitate to, I just love Asian style pasta dishes. Mm -hmm. I turned right away to noodles with spicy peanut sauce, which was the 91. And um, here's here's an instance where I also give options. I say you can use a cup of bottled Thai peanut sauce, or you can make your own, depending on what kind of day you're having. Sure. Right? Why not? And you, as you can see, also, there are really very few other ingredients. It's a short ingredient list, but it has tomatoes and zucchini and cilantro, and it's a, an inexpensive dish, and it's just absolutely delicious. And what was the name of that one again? Oh, it's on page 91, noodles with spicy peanut sauce. Oh, perfect. Exactly what it says, noodles with spicy peanut sauce. And speaking yeah. of bottled sauces and stuff like that, too, I'm going to, at the end of this, guys, everyone listening, um, sorry, I'm going to take that back. At the end of this, everyone listening, I'm going to get you, there is a, a simmer sauce that I love. I just got to figure out the name of it. So stay tuned till the very end of the episode, and uh, I'll be sure I give that to you in the end of the episode so you can buy some delicious sauce. Um, and I got to try that peanut sauce pasta dish as well. But there's also a carbonara with broccoli and vegan bacon. That looks, anytime I see carbonara, I get real excited. That looks delicious. So there's no photo of it, but yeah, it is delicious. And oh, But just the title looks delicious. Like I'm saying, anytime I see carbonara and then broccoli and bacon, come on. And, and the bacon can be, again, I love to give options. The bacon can be either tempeh bacon that you buy and i love to make bacon out of mushrooms me too me too actually my husband uh david he does not like mushrooms at all and i finally got him to eat some shiitake bacon about 
three weeks ago, and now he loves it. Well, shiitake mushrooms really, I, to me, make the best uh, vegan bacon. I mm-hmm. like the texture and, you know, they just, it has the right mouth feel and they Absolutely. absorb the flavors really well. So, yeah. It's, if it comes to store-bought bacon, do you have a, a choice of vegan store-bought bacon that you like the most? Um, I, I guess I like the tempeh bacon because okay. I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of tempeh, but I like the tempeh bacon and I feel like it has a lot of food value, the tempeh bacon, because after all, it's tempeh. It's really high in protein. There are very few um, processed ingredients in it. So I, I don't know. We don't want to maybe go into brands here, but I do like sure. tempeh, you know, yeah. the, the bacony kind of tempeh. Yeah, that's what I was sort of curious about, if there was a sort of uh, protein product that you like the most in terms of like seitan, tempeh. So tempeh makes sense. It's a delicious one, and it crisps up nicely as well. Um, and I do love about this book, and it seems like with your recipes, you're not afraid to use a mixture of whole whole food plant-based stuff and then also give that sort of the just give people the freedom to get something from the store if they need to. So I do really like that about your recipes. Uh, and when we move into the chapter full of cool dishes and platters, you offer up some easy and healthful recipes like the barbecue tempeh salad, colorful quinoa protein bowl, simple uh, salads and pasta tofuna salad. What's the tofuna salad? What's in that? that is, I was going to say that is the recipe that I have schlepped from one book to another <laughs> because people just love it. When they first taste it, they just cannot believe it's made out of tofu. So I use the baked tofu. Oh, um, great. Yeah, because it has a kind of a chewy texture, texture rather than it, the, yeah. you know, the pub tofu. And so basically it's that you just you know smush it up and vegan mayo celery and optional nutritional yeast and i can tell you sometimes i make this for my food demos when i'm talking to people Mm -hmm. and they say oh you should go into business making this and i say listen dude this has three ingredients you can do this (laughs) so it is it really is just so good and also when people and back in the old days when we were allowed to have people over for lunch and brunch sure just get inhaled and people just couldn't believe it and i have converted some people in fact our next door neighbors who are not by any stretch of the imagination vegan our neighbor uh he would make this to take for his lunch you know for his work day instead of chicken salad so I'm thinking, you know, bit by bit, these are a few chickens that have been saved. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and what a great, it's so great when it's people close to you. I mean, of course, doing it for everyone, getting them to see the beauty of it. But when it's people close to you kind of being like, wow, look at that. They're eating that now. That's great. And that's genius. The baking of the tofu for the texture. I never even thought about that for this. When I When I was thinking about it, I hadn't actually read through that recipe yet. And I was wondering, I was like, with the tuna stuff, it's always sort of that texture when you're trying to create that tuna salad. So what a great right. way to do that. Well, tell us about the buffalo cauliflower and chickpea salad. Um, I figure there's a really enough buffalo type recipes out there with a dip and everything. I sure. thought it might be nice to combine those flavors into a salad. I, You know, I don't know. Did I call this chapter salads or no i did not i avoided dishes but seriously fun cool dishes and because sometimes when you say the word salad people's eyes glaze over or they think that vegans are all about salads i mean Uh i am a salad but you know so i love just you know arranging something really beautiful 
wonderful in room temperature on a, on a plate, you know, a nice platter. And it's amazing how just that little tweak of uh, presentation really grabs people. So this is one of those. So the, the salad part, which includes cabbage and carrots and celery, just like when you serve buffalo style. Sure. Anything. So that becomes the basis of this, this platter. And then there's a kind of a spicy chickpea and cauliflower topping. Mm. So it's, you know, the buffalo flavors, but a little bit different presentation. And again, you can serve that with tortillas or a wrap. It's just really good. Well, nice and crunchy. I'll give you that nice crunchy texture, it sounds like, too, which is, is fun for a, a bowl like that. Uh, breakfast and brunch served all day is our next chapter here. Are you a breakfast for dinner kind of gal? So, oh, yeah. It's actually just the other night I made, uh, I, and I think it's in, this, you know, I was saying, sometimes people say, oh, I made such and such. What book is in it? And I say, you know what? I don't know anymore. Oh, my goodness. How could you know anymore? There's so many recipes. I, I did make something from this book. It's the Southwestern Tofu Scramble. Oh, delicious. On page 154. And what's nice about this and the way the actual, the original recipe was developed, because this was originally, uh, it's a traditional Southwestern recipe that used to be made with eggs. So now I use tofu. But it was a way to use up the tortillas that aren't quite fresh. So you cut the tortillas oh, into strips. Yeah. And you put it in and it gives it just a much heartier texture and it makes it seem more dinnery. Yeah, so that's fantastic. Yeah, I made the uh, the French toast casserole from this chapter uh, this weekend and we had it on Sunday for breakfast. And it was, again, so easy to throw together. It was It was amazing to just be able to sort of like, I didn't expect it to be as easy as it was. And it was like, just mix a few things up, put it into bake and it was done. Well, do you remember which fruit you used? I put blueberries on it. Okay, because I do give a fruit additions uh, that are optional. But I mean, you know, what is French toast without some fruit, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, and what I love too about your French uh, French toast casserole is that idea of like French toast can be such a pain standing over the stove and flipping it and making sure it doesn't burn. So I really do love the idea of just making a quick French toast casserole and having it on Sunday mornings. It was great. And especially if you have guests that flipping exactly. and waiting and you know, by the time you get to, you know, making enough, the first batch is already cold. So that's yeah. what the beauty of this one. Absolutely. And then you go into, you close out the book with a sweet treats and then a staples chapter. In the staples, you give us sour cream, hummus, homemade seitan, mushroom bacon, vinaigrette, mushroom gravy, all the things that come in handy. And it's great to be able to do them on a budget, which is what I really, really love. This book stays true to its name. And for sweets, you got me with the no-bake strawberry and blueberry crumble. I love a crumble, and if I don't have to bake it, I'm in. Uh, what gets your sweet tooth? Tell us about a couple of sweets we should try right now when they get, when when someone gets this book. Okay. Well, I was going to say, if somebody told me for the rest of my life I can either have sweet foods or salty foods, I would definitely do salty. So, ah. yeah. but so when it comes I don't to know sweet, what I would do that's a I have no <laughs> idea I think I might do sweet but I, I'm I'm perplexed now that's a that, I'm gonna put that in a rapid fire question for another guest that's good go ahead continue <laughs> well, I'm sorry I was gonna to say so, so being that as it may that means that all my sweet treats are very easy and lazy no when <laughs> I 
<laughs> that usually gets kind of shuffled to the end sure. and it's something chocolatey with fruit. So right. the, um, I really, you know, I do like making the soft and chewy granola bars. I've just never been a big fan of the bought granola bars. It just tastes like cardboard to me. And this is sort of a combination. It's almost like a, a blondie. Oh, uh, nice. But yet it has crunch because it does have granola in it. Okay. So I like that sort of thing. I like some sweets that might have a little bit of uh, saltiness to them, not surprisingly. Um, <clears throat> I like the crumbles and the cobblers, but especially the, the crumbles because they're just, you know, it's mostly fruit and then you top it with something yummy and, you know, you have a really nice dessert that's yeah. so guilt-free and very satisfying too i feel like so for example the no-bake strawberry and blueberry crisp on page 179 is something i make throughout the summer because you know you buy berries they're really good the first day and then by the second day in the fridge you think you know i better use these up before before they go bad and this is a perfect way to do it and it's no-bake which is also perfect for summer yeah I love that. I love that. Well, this is great. This book will make a great gift for anyone just starting out on their vegan journey or someone even looking to sort of like someone who's been doing it a while who wants to just sort of amp up their recipe game a little bit in an easy fashion. And I think it will relieve the fear of vegan cooking uh, being expensive or difficult. You really make it so easy with this book. So I, I can't thank you enough. It's a great, great book. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And now we're at the section for the book brag. Book brag! It's an interesting question with you because you've got so many books, but I, I typically say it's your moment to brag, a humble brag about, um, you know, this book and something great that has come about because of this book. But of course, in your case, it can be something that's come about to you because of being a cookbook author in general or about this book. So what's your book brag? Book brag. Wow, you didn't prepare me for this one. I'm <laughs> You know, I I think what I would like to book brag about is that I really try to incorporate into the conversation that it's really not about, you know, my my recipes and they're easy and they're very, uh, you know, attainable, but that it really shades into, to me, social justice. And that's something I really like to talk to people about. Um, First of all, you know, I talk about organic produce. Well, of course, that's going to be more expensive. So I give people an option to look up what kind of produce they can buy that doesn't have a lot of pesticides, even if it's not organic. Because I'd like to remind people, you know, on the other side of that produce is a person who has to pick it. Mm -hmm. And when there's a lot of pesticide, they get sick. So let's think about the people who are on the other end of things who are working every day so that we can get food. Um, another thing is, uh, oh, during the pandemic too, these delivery services like Misfits Market have become Mm -hmm. very popular. Mm -hmm. Do you use anything like that? Uh, we used Misfits for like a little, and then we stopped and we used one in Atlanta called Bagged Atlanta for a little bit. And then we stopped. We haven't used anything consistently. We've more or less sort of tried them out. Well, you know, I just wanted to know if you're familiar with it and it's a concept and, for people who, let's say, aren't comfortable about going into the store. But the other point is that it reduces food waste because what they do is, you know, for people who aren't familiar with it, Misfits and other services like it, 
they glean produce that isn't perfect enough to go to the store, right. but it's just as good. It tastes just as good. It is just as good. It just doesn't look as perfect. And the and Misfits, I know, employs formerly incarcerated and formerly addicted. So it's almost like they're giving people a second chance. That's great. So I like to remind people that it's not just, you know, we're going to the store, we get this, we make it at right. home. You know, let's think a little bit more about what's behind it. And also for us as committed vegans, it's all really about the animals and um, not only about their lives, but also the fact that it's just so harmful to the environment. It's so unnecessary. And what's really what I've seen, you know, and I have a long, long view. I became a vegetarian and uh, I don't even want to say what decade, but it has changed so much. And sure. the fact that, yeah, we have so many more options as far as food. Really, when I became a vegetarian, I the word vegan, it probably had been invented, but it really wasn't out there in the, you know, in the, in the atmosphere. And the fact that we do have and people who aren't vegan or even aren't vegetarian now have so many options of great foods to incorporate into their you know, into their daily routine. And I know many people who aren't vegetarian or vegan who are really eating a lot more plant-based foods because they've become more available. So I think that the crossover of my books now, I've seen it cross over into people who maybe 10, 20 years ago really wouldn't have been interested. But so many more people take interest now, not only because the food is great, but because of all the other factors that we were just talking about. Absolutely, and I think if anything, you, you're you're empowering people to make choices, to make those po- choices that make a difference. So that's a, a beautiful gift you're giving by just speaking this message and really letting people know that, like those things that we do, you know, it's not just going to the store. If you choose to support a certain thing, you're you're making a choice that supports other people, other other living creatures as well. It's a beautiful thing that you do. Well, that moves us on to our. Daily Dozen Rapid Fire Questions. Are you ready? I'll, well, I'll do the best I can. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. One, favorite spice to cook with? Oh, well, can I use a spice blend? Absolutely. You can do whatever you want. Absolutely love the barbecue seasonings. Oh, my gosh. I I call that a flavor bomb. (laughs) So a a spoon or two, and it makes things, oh, when we, we make our, mushroom bacon that's a must-have that's good the barbecue seasoning blends and they are available at the supermarket so I would what's say your that's do you have a specific like type of barbecue blend that you really like like not brand but like is there a sort of flavor of barbecue uh, blend that you like you know i think they all taste really good i remember there's something um there's one's one called the new orleans something okay and, there's one that's just called barbecue. I think that's the original. You know, they all taste, they taste somewhat similar and I think they're all really good. That's great. Well, and what about, so number two, what's your favorite grain? Okay. I'm just going to say what comes to my mind first. Quinoa. <laughs> Perfect. Favorite berry? Blueberries. And not attached to food. What book did you read last? Oh, I, you know, I'm a huge reader of books. I'm currently reading The Tenant of Wildfeld Hall by uh, Anne Bronte. I'm really a nerd. I just (laughs) finished The Scapegoat by Daphne du Maurier. Uh, We're going to go back into food. Super salad. My favorite super salad? Do you prefer soup or salad? 
Oh, I'm sad. Do I? Oh, that is a really tough choice for me because I love both so much. I wrote a whole book about soups. What's the name of the book? No, it's called uh, Vegans, um, Vegan Soups and Stews for All Seasons. Oh, I love it. I was like, yeah, let's tell everyone. Let's talk more. Give them more titles. Vegan well, Soups and Stews yeah, for All Seasons. Good. If you talk to me during the summer, I'd say salad. salad sure. The other three seasons, I'll say soup. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. And what's on your nightstand right now? You mean to read? Uh-huh. Or whatever. Alarm clock? What's on your nightstand? Oh my gosh, let me see. Oh, you're, you're sorry that you asked this. <laughs> well, the books that I, I would like to read next, um, I actually do have a cookbook that somebody sent me called East by Mira Sodha. Okay. It's a beautiful vegan book. Um, I The Power of Pride, which is about the Harlem Renaissance. Um, I'm a kind of an aficionado of African-American literature. So I have Plum Bun by Jesse Redmond Fawcett, uh, To Die for the People by Huey Newton, The Making of a Revolution. I'm sorry, you asked me The Making of a Revolution Within the Revolution. I'm not. It's fascinating. And you're giving everybody recommendations, too. So it's great. Revolution. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of just what's on my nightstand. But I have a a (laughs) house that's overflowing, especially with women's classic literature, because as That's you know, great. I have that other part of my brain, you know, my literary lady's site. Sure. I'd like to start a library one day. Oh, I love that. I think you should. I, I feel that journey for you. Um, and I, I'm interested in this next question, too. If you had a late night talk show, who would your first guest be? Oh, my God. Living or dead? <laughs> either one. Either one. Dead is fine, too. What about Zora Neale Hurston? Great. I'm really very curious about her. She would probably be a great guest. She was very vivacious. I love it. I'm going to have to look her up because I don't know who it is, but I'm going to look it up and see. I'm very intrigued by many things you've said today that I'm going to look up and do a little more research on. Uh, Are you afraid of heights? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Right in there. What would you like to be remembered That's why I'm not going to go skydiving. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I figured when I asked, (laughs) what would you like to be remembered for? Oh, that's such a nice question. Um, well, you know, this is going to be really corny, but I, I feel like I want to be remembered that, you know, I was just a, a good mom and a good friend. Yeah, I love that. I, I have no doubt in my mind that but you I, are, I so you will be. remembered for my work as well, but, you know, that's what came out first in my sure. mind. I love that. Uh, pancakes or waffles? Um, pancakes. Hot sauce or barbecue sauce? Barbecue sauce. If you could have only three apps on your phone, what would they be? Oh, uh, well, not surprisingly, Audible. Because <laughs> you're well listening to books probably as you're reading another book, I would imagine. Your brain has the capacity, it seems. Yes, and I like listening all. to books when I cook and when I draw. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. If, uh, let's see. So that was one. Um, maps, because... Uh, be- Despite the fa- fact that my name is Atlas, I get lost very easily. <laughs> and um, what? What are maybe maybe WhatsApp because okay. I speak to my overseas family more well, that's easily. That's great. That's great. And your last question: What's the name of your next book? What's the name of my next book? Oh yeah. Uh- <laughs> I was like, you know this one, Nava. I know you know this one. And I was going to say, wait, how many? How many books am I reading and writing? (laughs) 
It is plant-powered protein, and that is coming out pretty shortly at the end of December, right in time for, how do you pronounce it, Veganuary? The Veganuary, yeah, that's great. And that was your last question, and that led us into the next item of business, you guys. The charming and lovely, stunning and glorious Nava will be back again, don't you fret. We will do another episode about her next book, Plant-Powered Protein, 125 Recipes for Using Today's Amazing Meat Alternatives. I figured these two topics, uh, budget and protein, were so interesting in the vegan world. So I thought, let's, let's have you back again to chat about protein. Will you come back? I appreciate that, of course. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, in the meantime, Nava, please tell everyone where they can find you and follow you and, and uh, what you're up to. Like, what, what website is best to find you on? Theveganatlas.com for food, Literary Ladies Guide for Literature. I would say I'm not, you know, I'm not a big Facebooker or Instagrammer, but from my website, from the Vegan Atlas, you can find all those other social media outlets. Okay, perfect. That's great. And I look forward to chatting with you again. In the meantime, everyone get a copy of Vegan on a Budget, 125 healthy, wallet-friendly, plant-based recipes everywhere books are sold. And we'll look forward to talking to you again, Nava. Thank you. I also look forward to it now that we've actually met. Yes. Really appreciate that you had me on today. Oh, thank you. What a blast. What a treat to get to know you. There you go, folks. Vegan on a budget, 125 healthy, wallet-friendly, plant-based recipes. Go buy your copy now everywhere books are sold. I promise you, you won't be sorry. I've cooked from this one a ton, and it is exactly as it says. Uh, not only is it uh, on a budget, but it's also quick and easy, too. So she's just a genuine, lovely human being, changing the world, Nava is, who she clearly has a passion for literature and art of all types. I adore her, and I can't wait to have her back soon to chat more about her new book, Plant-Powered Ooh. Protein, that Nice. Crazy question. Where do you get your protein? She's got the answers for you in that new book. Uh, and I got my copy in the mail a couple of weeks ago. It really is lovely. It's a comprehensive, gorgeous, hardcover book. Can't wait to dive in a little more uh, once uh, I start to recover from all this holiday cooking. Uh, yeah, I love that the... Um our audiences are going to get to kind of meet her because I feel like she's been in the game for so yeah, long. So for the sure. fact that like you, she's like this like vegan, like it's a vegan mother hug. Vegan, like vegan fairy godmother. She really is. I mean, she really is. True. And, and just such a, a beautiful energy and yeah. putting positivity out there along with with her activism. So it's awesome. Uh, but speaking of activism and cooking, uh -huh. what is Dustin's dish for the week? Dustin's dish. What a dish. Mm. Do we have a good one? Oh, mm. well, so I'm not giving you just a dish, honey. I'm not giving you just a taste. All right. Oh. We're going to give you a whole meal. Uh -huh. uh, not just well, a snack. Well, what we're going to talk about is Veganuary, which is right oh. around the corner. So it's not a dish, but we're going to talk about things about it. maybe you're vegan curious or maybe you're somebody who is vegan who struggles with talking to people when they ask you about veganism because I know some people have different takes on it and they've been like oh I talked to this person and that didn't go very well so if you're that kind of person who needs a little help with uh, helping others uh, here's some little tidbits as people start to explore veganism for January and a little something called veganuary some mm. people love to be like oh I'm going to go vegan for the month of January so here's things to help you if you're that person or here's a little 
tidbits you can give maybe a friend of yours who's thinking about going vegan. Uh, always prepare yourself, right? So if you're not vegan thinking about it, prepare yourself for it. Do some reading, gather some quick and easy recipes, look up uh, some vegan products, ask your vegan friends because I'm sure everyone's got one, two, three, four, five of them now. We all have lots sure. of vegan friends. Um, and oh, Check out Facebook. There's lots of vegan groups on there. Instagram, lots of stuff to see on there where you can sort of prepare yourself to see uh, how easy it is to be vegan and sort of what's in store for you. Uh, start with a pace that works for you. So yes, it does not important. have to be all or nothing, right? David can attest to that uh, firsthand because you were not vegan for a long time in our relationship. Yeah. And I mean, it it started small with me. Yeah. And, and me, I mean, me too, originally, but I mean, yeah. yeah. And it's like, and I think if you think of doing it cold, vegan turkey, vegan tofu, <clears throat> um, that it it, be, it can become overwhelming ultimately. Yeah. But like, if you take a little bit here and there, or if you do like a meatless Mondays, and then maybe sure. it's a meatless Mondays Tuesdays, and then you know you kind of keep going. Um, and that's for some pe- some people's own pace is to literally go. Uh, just go for it. And go for way. it. So that might be your pace too. And so Yas I'm not Queen. saying that you can't do that. I'm just no. saying, uh, you know, just think about what's going to work. Yourself. You know yourself. So go with the pace that works for you. Keep your meals simple but diverse. So mix mm-hmm. things up a little bit so you don't get sick of, you know, if you're having that sweet potato and chickpea salad, mix it up. Uh, try some other things. Just uh, get as diverse as you can with your meals. There's so much to eat out there now. There's just so much great vegan food. So don't be afraid to mix it up. Uh, explore vegan food substitutes. That's a suggestion for everyone trying to go vegan. For me, I, back in the day when I went back in the day, it was like 11 years ago when I went vegan. I started the first thing I do is start swapping out regular burger, regular meat burgers for uh, non meat burgers. And the only thing around at the time I think was like Boca and Morningstar, but Morning. Wow. Star. They had this black bean burger. I don't remember if it was vegetarian or vegan at the time, but I started sort of switching to that because it was delicious. So that was like a little step I made. And that really propelled me sort of into being able to like make other substitutions. I was like, oh, that works. Well, maybe I'll try soy milk instead of regular milk, uh, dairy milk. I don't like saying regular or normal. Uh, <laughs> right, right. That's incorrect. Uh, so I thought maybe I'll try soy milk instead of dairy milk. And those substitutes all started to take shape for me. David, what are some substitutes that you love or that you have found helpful when you were transitioning into being vegan? Well, I mean, I mean, these days, like impossible and beyond, sure. you know, like depending, I think one of them has soy and one doesn't, right. one's like gluten-free, but anyway, so, you know, pick based on that, but both kind of hit that spot when you need it. I mean, field roast, we love. Oh, and Gardein products. Gardein always, products. We're finding like something um, where we're like, Upton's we'll Naturals. Upton's is great. They have great, some great, great, great yeah. products. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it gives you that texture and, you know, some of those flavors, the hardiness, that, the hardiness, um, that you just kind of, you know, want sometimes. Um, yeah. And if you're someone who's like, oh, I want to do this, but I have to have sausage. I'm not mad at you. You've been eating sausage for a long time. So if you feel the need to have some sort of substitute, I highly recommend. Tofurky's gotten very good yes. in the last few years. Everybody's um, been stepping up their game. Yeah. Especially and the, field the, roast remains. The stalwarts that have been so here for fantastic. a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody's sort of upped their recipe game and gotten their products uh, to a much more higher standard than they used to be. So don't be afraid to switch out that sausage and get a tofurkey sausage or a field roast sausage delicious delicious uh even the shredded cheeses now are a lot better than they used to be well and even like whole foods they've got a 365 365 plant-based brand kroger has a simple truth uh where they push out plant-based products so everybody's sort of jumping on that bandwagon so don't be afraid to try substitutes but i also say this 
trial and error with your substitutes. Sure, if sure, you sure, try sure. something and you don't like it, that doesn't mean that vegan food sucks. It just means that that product is not for you. Okay, yeah. so just be patient with it, trial and error, but don't be afraid to explore vegan food substitutes so you can satiate yourself however you need to as you make the transition. And last but not least, I think David already said it, but be compassionate with yourself in this process. Like, yeah, it's there's no need for you to beat yourself up. If you've been eating meat for 30 years and now you're trying to transition out of it, guess what? If it it's takes you a whole year to yeah. sort of transition that's a heck of a lot better than you were doing the year before. So I support you in whatever route you want to take on that journey. And just know that like, you're not alone. Everyone doesn't always switch overnight. Or again, maybe you are that person who's like, I'm not eating meat anymore and it's done and it's gone. Good for you. Like applause. That's awesome. But like whoever you are, however you're doing it, just stay compassionate with compassionate with yourself. We can't be compassionate for the animals in the universe and everybody else. If we're not compassionate for ourselves first. Hello. Hello. Um, also, if you're in Atlanta and you're exploring Veganuary and you want to go vegan beyond January, mm-hmm. I'm doing a class in person at Cook's Warehouse. Very, very small class. We're following CDC guidelines. At the limit is very small. I don't even know. I think it's like six students and we're all spread out and it's we're all eating our own food. We're all wearing masks, doing the whole thing. Um, but I do think there are a couple spots left, but we're recording this three days before it goes out. So those may go because the class <laughs> is so small. Um, but this is just sort of in an effort to, um, you know, keep doors open at cook's warehouse they already closed one location um not to say oh my gosh i'm doing it just for them but then also for me to teach and be around people in a very weird roundabout way um you know i'll be standing far away from everybody teaching which is not usually my style i'm very hands-on so we're giving it a go um following all the cdc guidelines and being as safe and careful as possible wearing masks the entire time um and in that class we're going to feature the pumpkin mac and cheese from my new book quick and easy mm. and the philly cheesesteak stuffed peppers with pumpkin cheddar sauce um, delicious basically we're going to use the cheddar sauce from the mac and cheese two ways and take the carbs out of the philly cheesesteak sandwich and just have peppers and sausage and onions delicious uh and we'll do my classic caesar salad with walnut dressing uh and kelly's croutons of kelly's croutons which by the way if you love kelly's croutons or you haven't had them you can go to kelly's croutons got Dot com use the code dustin and i think you get 10 percent uh when you get two items or more so don't be shy use that discount code and lastly we're gonna make a sweet my friends salted sunflower coconut fudge super Ooh. easy five ingredients Ooh. Ooh, comes together in a flash and uh yeah it's gonna be a nice little night i think the class is probably sold out by the time i just got done talking because like i said it is very very small uh but you can always try it uh go see if there's a spot left open for you at cookswarehouse.com if you're in Atlanta. That's on Friday, January 29th from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. And in terms of any other inspiration, David, what, yeah. are, what are some things for people going vegan? I mean, Inst- Instagram's a great place. Um, even TikTok that the kids, you know, them kids, them kids, the talk of the get tick. off our lawn. Um, <clears throat> you can look at vegan hashtags. Uh, I mean, obviously, at the vegan roadie hello Hello. Uh, there's some great stuff to be found as you kind of make that transition or again start just uh thinking more plant-based meals in your in short i think what you're saying though is don't be afraid to use the internet 
Don't be afraid. Just break it while you're at it. Break the internet while going vegan. Listen, that's, that's right. great. I love all this. Uh, everyone, have a safe and happy new year. Thank you for joining us today. And most importantly, if you would be so kind, um, is uh, to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to uh, podcasts, uh, but especially Apple podcasts. Uh, it's very helpful and we do very, very much appreciate um, all the feedback we're getting and, and nice reviews. So. Yeah, we do. You guys have been so awesome. We really appreciate you tuning in. We will be back next Tuesday in the new year 2021 <gasps> with a new episode. Until then, keep on cooking and remember it's nice to be nice. This has been a Muzzy Cat production. <laughs>